0: Welcome to another episode of the Skeptical Sheep podcast, where I bring you real stories and raw conversations from people who have left Christianity behind. You'll hear the highs and lows of what it's really like to leave your faith. I'm your host, Laura Flood, and let's meet this week's guest.
1: So I have Blaze here, and Blaze, will you introduce yourself? Hey, um, I'm Blaze. I used to be a Christian, and I'm here to talk today about my experience of leaving faith and all of the journey and the the trip that that was and there's a lot (laughs) well
0: first of all thank you so much for being here again um i can't reiterate enough how grateful i am i know it's not something you have to do and you're doing it so thank you so much All right. So can you tell me your earliest experience with Christianity when you first came to it and
1: how that transpired? Okay. So um, my parents were Christian and I was taught to accept Jesus into my heart at four years old. So pretty much as soon as I could talk, I was saying that I was a Christian and um, it was very, very much so heavily guided by my parents. Did you always, when
0: you grew up, was it always something that was a part of your life and was it something that meant something to you or was it more something that you always felt was kind of pressured to be a part of your life
1: oh i a hundred percent believed that christianity was real it was as real as the sky or anything else in this world it i i didn't have a pretty much not even a, a like a grain of doubt that christianity was real so extremely heavily influenced and um yeah, it it was everything for, for, for a very, very, very big portion of my life.
0: What denominations were you a part of? Like, was this like a non-denominational kind of branch of Christianity? Um, a few, Baptist
1: and Pentecostal to be pretty exact.
0: So given that you were involved with Baptist and Pentecostal, I'm assuming was there a moment in your life or your childhood where you were born again
1: or saved? Oh, I felt like that happened so many times. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> like I felt like that just happened over and over like the saved again sort of thing like I just felt like there was so many times where I'd stuffed up so bad that I had to do the whole thing again and ex- <laughs> invite Jesus back into my heart again because I felt like such a terrible person for just being me and just to clarify I am a lesbian and that you know, was a massive part of how I felt so sinful growing up and like when it was just a completely natural part of who I am.
0: Right. When did you first start questioning that what you believed wasn't really what you believed anymore?
1: Um, yeah, great question. Um, I, that started around probably the last year of high school um I started to obviously like being a lesbian and everything like these feelings like at first I just thought this was something I was going to grow out of and that you know I'd I'd grow out of it and it would go away and then it just wouldn't be a problem anymore and so like to reconcile my faith and everything I hadn't really faced the brunt of that dilemma whereas when I was 18 you know everyone started dating like in a more serious sort of way and um People were hooking up and all that kind of stuff. And I was so heavily Christian. And this was, so, and I started to find that my access to intimacy and the idea of having a future, of having children, of having, um, you know, just having a life, it just was completely cut off from me. I just realized that at that age, I was like, this is completely blocking my access to having a future here. I couldn't even imagine a future for myself. Um, It was, and yeah, I developed incredible depression from that. Um, And part of that was also looking into, hmm, like, I wonder if there's a way out. (laughs) I wonder if there's a way out for me to not be Christian anymore. And and it actually started with me deciding to have a quote-unquote holiday from Christianity. That's the way I um because like i like the idea because i was so christian that the idea of christianity just not being real like that just couldn't happen right so i decided i was I was at eight i was 18 um i had horrific depression at this point um christianity pretty much destroyed my schooling so like we have a hsc in australia and like i bombed the shit out of that because the whole time I was so, so depressed, what I would call a black depression, where I just had no future, no, like no joy. All the joy inside of me was just sucked out pretty much. And eventually like I had to be away from music. I had to be away from TV. I had to be away from anything that reminded me of the idea of romance because I wasn't allowed to have that. And so, you know, I was trying really, really, really hard to be a good Christian. So at 18, I, like, this is when I've left high school. It was just awful. That was a terrible time in my life. You know, I remember this uh, youth group leader from church telling me, oh, you know, like when you leave high school, that holiday period, that's going to be the best time of your life. That's the time that everyone looks back on as like just the best time of your life of freedom and all of this crazy cool stuff, you know, school's out forever. And that just certainly was not the case for me. What ended up happening was I ended up locking myself in my room And whilst everyone else was off gallivanting, sleeping with people, um, having romance and all that kind of stuff that, you know, a lot of just normal kids get to enjoy, um, I locked myself in my room. And I literally decided to become quite a hermit because I could not handle being outside in the open world where literally anything could trigger me from – The idea of romance. So, like, as I said, songs and movies and music, I stopped watching, I stopped listening. Yeah, around this time after school, just before I'd left school, um, I went to conversion therapy, like gay conversion therapy with um, a company called Exodus International. And like, this was suggested by my parents, but not exactly like, this is what you have to do. It was just more of a suggestion. And I went to therapy around that time. They told me to like the lady who I, who I was seeing at Exodus International. She told me that I should wear a wrist um, band. So every time I thought about the lesbian thought, I would have to snap that wristband so that I could like stop thinking about those things. You know, I was there with like my wristband in this supposedly best time of my life, which is the holidays, and I was just depressed, <laughs> snapping this wristband, and I hadn't thought about kissing a girl or anything more than that in about, I think there was a point of five months where I literally did not have a thought about that. That's how deeply ingrained I was that I had managed to stop myself even thinking about intimacy or anything like that. And so this is where it comes to the holiday from Christianity. I just remember driving my car and there was just like, it's just one of the biggest moments of my life. So I was I was driving my car and I was so depressed and I just felt like everything, I just couldn't even feel color anymore. And I was looking up at the sky and I just went, I need a holiday. I need a holiday from Christianity. And like, this is, I, 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 I can't function, I can't go outside, I can't do anything, like, I I am not functioning as a human being right now, and I need a holiday, and so I decided to have a holiday from Christianity, and that's where the beginning of my journey started, Um, was the holiday, quote-unquote, which turned out to not necessarily be a holiday, (laughs) which turned out to be forever, but that was, it's still the beginning of my leaving faith journey, Um, and yeah, Wow. So there's so many things I want to unpack
0: there. One of them being that I can't believe somebody would advise you to, in a way, harm yourself to control your natural sexual thoughts or urges. Um, And then the second one would be that, like, I find it extraordinary that when you had that moment driving in the car, you were able to say, I need a break from Christianity and not, I need a break from myself. I'm so glad that you were able to say, it's Christianity that's making me
1: go crazy right now. Like, it's not my fault. Absolutely. I think that was the thing is like, I was just like, this isn't my fault. I haven't chosen this. This is just how things are. And like, I just remember around that time, I used to be like Christian magazines in my house and Christian newspapers. I remember reading this thing about this priest and how like, Oh, I'm gay and I'm celibate and that's okay and all this shit, quite frankly. And I remember one time, around this time, I just burst out into a rage and I started ripping this newspaper apart and I I ripped it into so many shreds in this giant rage to be fair, quite a righteous rage. Now I look back on it. And I remember hiding from hiding my hiding this, all these shreds of paper somewhere. So maybe my parents couldn't find that I'd <laughs> completely destroyed their newspaper. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, take me through your journey
0: from the point in the car where you said you wanted to have a holiday from Christianity to where you are now? What did that look like?
1: Yeah, so that's where, you know, things started getting interesting after that point. It it certainly wasn't like... I like, I really want people who are people of faith or if you're thinking about leaving faith, you don't just suddenly go from the tap on to the tap off. Like, that. your brain, especially if you were as heavily conditioned as I was, like, that is not going to suddenly just go away. Like, if your brain is hardwired towards Christianity like mine was, like, there are still some remnants, like, even up until now that I hold just a few little Few little shards of glass left from the whole mess. So, what happened next? So, like, I was on my quote unquote holiday for Christianity, and I decided to reach out to this girl at church who I knew she had some queer friends. And um, I just sort of canoodled my way into finding her queer friends, and I finally got to have some queer friends and gay friends. And that was just so amazing. I can't tell you how amazing that was to be, I think I was 18 or 19 to finally have some gay friends and to just talk to them about their childhood and talk to them about everything and just to not feel so weird. Like I felt like an absolute freak up until this point, by the way, like I felt so dirty and strange. And then just to have these people like, oh yeah, this is just part of my life. Um, (laughs) like it was so good. And like, I got to have tons of fun times with those friends and I've really felt like I was living my youth. Really. I just felt so alive. So, um, I just got, that's like some of those people now are like my friend group. Now, some of them I don't really talk to anymore, but like, you know, that's life. So I hung out with them for a while and, um, yeah, I went out clubbing a lot. Oh, that's right. I went completely wild. Um, around 19, like even at one point, I didn't even have a job and I just was constantly clubbing I literally went out four times a week and um in this time I still thought that like I'm still a Christian but I'm just I'm just that Christian that you hear at the front of church it's like oh you know I went off the rails and I took drugs and you know and then I found Jesus again and then I was healed and blah 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 and like like that was the way that I saw myself like I definitely was still believing I just thought I was on this holiday and that everyone would be like wow you took drugs and you're Christian? Wow like you know you know what I'm talking
0: about. You assumed you would yeah. just find it find a way to incorporate that season of your life into your testimony one day.
1: Yeah I would I was thinking that I was making this like banging testimony that was just gonna like tear the church down. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um I that's what I thought was going on. Um but no not necessarily <laughs> so you know, I went out with these people clubbing a lot and blah, blah, blah. Eventually, um, I made this new group of friends who are into, like, electronic dance music and whatever, and there was this one guy, and this one guy in this group literally changed my life forever, and um, in, a, in a kind of a way, he's sort of like my knight in shining armor, this one guy, <laughs> and I will not say his name, let's just say his name is Dave, so Obviously, up until this point, I was still saying I was a Christian. Like, I like people ask me, like, what do you believe in? I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian, 100%. I just take drugs and I, I'm a lesbian, <laughs> like, which didn't really fit into <laughs> that narrative. But um, I hung out with this guy and he was a very staunch atheist. After many conversations with this guy, like, he just thought the idea that I kept saying I was a Christian was ridiculous. And, like, I still completely believed it in my heart. Um, that I believed in God and I believed, oh, I, like if I don't change this up soon, I'm going to hell, like this lifestyle I'm living, all this stuff. But this one guy, like, you know how usually when you meet someone, like a nice person is someone who respects your beliefs and says, oh, well, that's nice that you believe that and blah, 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 blah this guy, he wasn't like that. He did not respect my beliefs. And in in a way, that's actually kind of what saved me, quote unquote, from um, a lifetime of self-hatred, because he could tell that I was being torn up inside and eaten apart by something. And, you know, he's a salesman, and he knows how to (laughs) twist someone's arm and he basically after many conversations many nights more or less aggressively just told me what I believed in was bullshit and I remember one time at McDonald's just sitting with him at McDonald's and he was across from me and I was just saying what I believed in and he just went no you fucking don't you do not fucking believe in that I can see it in your eyes I'm looking in your eyes right now and I can see that you are lying and I think that was one of those Really big points where I suddenly went, yeah, I am lying, and isn't sort of Christianity the point of it to tell the truth? <laughs> and I like I was lying. I was a hundred percent making excuses for Christianity, all sorts of weird excuses for how the Bible was real when, like, I was just doing so much mental arithmetic to say that it was real when it wasn't, and honestly, I think it was that conversation at McDonald's that really like that aggressive conversation. Like, I really want to highlight that because that was kind of what really turned the tide with, around people just being polite to me and saying, oh yeah, this, that's nice that you believe in that. And it is one situation where someone being aggressive actually turned out to say, I, I really feel like it saved my life having this guy do that.
0: You know, I, lo- I think that it goes into the whole idea of people will receive the information that they want to receive at the right time. Because that conversation spoke to you at that time. But if he had said that maybe to someone else in a different point of their journey, they would have been like, that's so rude. Like, screw you. You don't know my life. (laughs) But. It just hit you at the right moment. Like it was just what you needed to hear in just the right tone and just the right delivery in the right moment. And I love that.
1: Yeah, that was just such a huge turning point that the moment in the car and the moment (laughs) moment at McDonald's were just those two huge shifts. So you went from having this moment in the
0: car, having this moment in McDonald's. Like, I guess I want to ask, what did you do about it? When you finally decided oh my God, I don't believe that, like, I don't believe in this anymore. Um,
1: Around this time, I had a diary. And um, so this is 2014. Um, I had this diary and sometimes I read over it because it's just fascinating. Um, It was around that time that I started to um, look into science and I looked into geology. I also looked into evolution because up up until this point, I was a creationist, like pretty staunch creationist. Like I literally thought evolution was this big hoax it was it was a lie all that kind of stuff looked into evolution and science really and worked out that so much of what I believed in just wasn't checking out with reality Um, and I think the smoking gun for me was the genealogy of Jesus when I you know you count up the years of the genealogy of Jesus and it's up to about something of 7,000 years old that just does not check out with our old universe and creationists will do all sorts of weird mental arithmetic to say geology and evolution and (laughs) all of these other (laughs) aspects of science are wrong and it's just not true like and like i just don't think people are being honest
0: in other words like what you're saying is that like they will find every avenue and every way to explain away evidence that would suggest that jesus christ never existed
1: yeah like and i'm not saying he like never existed i'm just saying that like the um the idea that the world is seven thousand years old doesn't check out and that's kind of what the bible suggests is the nature of reality when the nature of reality that we can test now that doesn't check out like geology doesn't fit with that evolution doesn't fit with that so I'm just trying to be my most authentic self by just looking at reality and going, okay, that's, that really doesn't work out with what I'm witnessing here. And, you know, I'm just bearing witness to existence. Existence is crazy. Like the fact that we exist at all is really intense. And I can understand why Christians get so hung up on all of the of this stuff because it is really weird that the universe just popped into existence it is very very strange and like no scientist can actually talk about what happened before the beginning of the universe so that doesn't suddenly make christianity real though and it doesn't make it the most viable option to explain existence but i do understand the fear that a lot of christians feel regarding existence and like i mean christianity just is like a nice easy way to explain away all of these really big questions.
0: Absolutely. I mean, and and I think you really hit it right on there with the fact that we exist is so crazy that of course we want answers. And of course, people are seeking to understand why and look for this big overall purpose.
1: If I was going to be honest, like in terms of what I actually believe now, um, I'm not saying that like I'm a theist necessarily. I'm quite agnostic. Um, I wouldn't say I'm a hardcore atheist. It's hard to explain.
0: Did anybody in your life ever try to convince you to come back to Christianity?
1: Yeah, that did actually happen. Um funnily enough, that did happen. And um, she used to be my youth group sort of leader at one of my churches I went to, and she was sort of like my mentor, Christian mentor, if you will. We had this conversation at Gloria Jean's. Um won't go really into it, but funnily enough, I think that the opposite of what she wanted to happen, happened. So um, I started talking about DMT and this very crazy situation that happened to me. I explained this to her. And funnily enough, quite a few years later, she's not a Christian anymore. And this experience that I had kind of was a part of her not being at church anymore. Like she had a lot of like, I think she really struggled the idea of like me and other people at church not being able to be gay like that really messed her up I think seeing that um and seeing just the struggles that LGBTQ people at church go through but um just to be like completely clear about this crazy story that really persuaded her somewhat I'm not saying like this completely changed her from being a Christian to not a Christian but back to my friend Dave one time I was at his house he was doing DMT and I was considering doing DMT And he was up in the DMT landscape, if you will. And while he was out, I decided to pray. And I prayed, God, if you're real, I want you to give Dave a message in this DMT landscape. And I want you to give that message to me. And anyway, he comes out of this place and he says, I was in this white place and it was beautiful. And God spoke to me. I think it was God spoke to me and said, he had a message for you. And he said, I'm still here, but not in the way that you used to know it. And that was crazy. So I did not actually smoke the DMT. I took that as a message to not do it. But the fact that I had this experience where, you know, it was just, you know, probably crazy coincidence or could be something more, but hearing I'm still here, but not in the way that you used to know it was really wild and I still don't know what to make of that to be fair so she heard that and she was completely blown away by it my my mentor yes no no longer mentor
0: were you confused when your friend had given you that message because here you are on this journey to I don't really think I believe in God anymore or at least I just don't I know I don't want to be a Christian and then you get this message and what did you make of
1: it I just took the idea that like you know maybe there's a higher power but not in the way that like not in the Christian way or whatever like that is the most I got out of that situation and like when you hear stories of other DMT stories and stuff there's all sorts of really just weird things that happen lots of coincidences lots of strange stuff that happens and yeah like even just go on YouTube and look up DMT stories and stuff like that and just hear what people have to say and you know it could just be really intense coincidence that that happened and very easily for humans to do that like humans tend to take a lot of meaning out of things. So I can see how that could have happened, but... I guess it's it's something I'm sure you'll probably
0: continue to try to make sense out of because it is quite... If it is a coincidence, it is quite the coincidence. But um, either way, I think it's a beautiful message to hold on to.
1: Yeah, that's sort of the way that I interpreted it at the time. Um, yeah, like, I, I don't pretend that I have the keys to existence and I know the nature of reality. Like, that's just not for me to know really, and no one really knows what's going on. But sort of taking a crutch of Christianity when there's a lot of things that don't line up, I don't feel like that's the most honest truth that I can put out there from observing existence. Did you ever consider
0: going back? Did you ever just miss it or miss the comfort or the familiar feelings that you got when you were there?
1: Oh, yeah, that's such a good question. Um, I think one of the things that's one of the hardest things for anyone who's leaving face is the lack of community. And church really offered this, like at times, quite a beautiful community. And like, There are a lot of aspects that, you know, I look back on fondly now, now that I've had my distance away from faith. There are things that I look look back on fondly, such as things such as forgiveness. Like I still really believe in forgiveness. I love forgiveness. I miss community. I miss, you know, having a mix of different generations of people all in this one building. And you can count on this one group of people to meet up every Sunday. Like, how many times do people just pull out of anything these days apart from, I don't know, maybe sport? Um, but it's really hard to meet up with a community of different groups of people and to just get together. It That's tough. We're all so tired from our lives and from our jobs and we're all exhausted. And, you know, I, I think the people who go to church are exhausted, but there's like this pressure that you have to go. And for whatever reason, like it sort of can be a good thing I mean, I just wish it wasn't church. You know what I mean?
0: It's true. Where else would you do you find a group of people who, you know, is going to be like loyal to meeting up once a week, this big group of people and everybody knows each other and everybody's friends. And, you know, if you need a favor, there's like 50 people who would volunteer to help you out with something like that is beautiful. And I think that it's something humans naturally crave is a sense of belonging to a particular group of people and community and love and support from people outside of you know their family, their immediate blood-related family. And it is, it's a shame that the only way that humans have seemed to make that happen is through religion. But I have, just from doing these interviews, found that there are so many different ways that people find community that you maybe wouldn't even expect. And I'm enjoying hearing all the different varieties of the way that people have filled that natural need for community in their lives. I'm curious what yours is actually.
1: I suppose um, the music community, like going going out clubbing, but the fact is that's been (laughs) taken away from me at the moment from COVID, which kind of sucks. But yeah, like going out clubbing, that was listening to amazing music and great DJs and great producers and, I don't know, seeing live bands and, I don't know, having, like, a crew of people that you go out and you go to those things with. I experienced that. But to be fair, like, I really have not found anything that comes close to church where you have that multi-generational aspect where you have old people, you have young kids, and then you have people in the middle. Like I I literally have not been able to find that since leaving church. So
0: over a time where you thought about going back I did go back quite a few times, to be fair.
1: I just know they're gonna say the say the same stupid stories over and over again. And like, I don't know, if they're gonna look over a niche Bible passage, like I guess i I could cope, but hearing the same stupid stories over and over again that you know, that pushiness they have at Pentecostal churches with like, you have to be saved now and all that kind of stuff. Like that is not exactly my idea of a great Sunday. Like if I could just go for the afternoon tea, maybe I'd actually really enjoy that. (laughs) Yeah, just the fun stuff. Like I miss that. Church was fantastic for that kind of thing. And like for quite a lot of things, to be honest, there is like, there are a hundred percent some things that would keep you in church, like really intense things that Are really hard to replace.
0: Compare your mindset now and how you see the world differently now as opposed to when you were a Christian.
1: I don't think that there are demons constantly. I don't think all my friends are possessed. I sleep better. I don't think I'm a sinner for just loving my girlfriend. I have a beautiful partner now and I'm really, I, I just wish my little me could see that <laughs> like, I wish I could go back to school and say you've got this beautiful partner now who absolutely adores you and you absolutely adore them and you know you you adore her and it's beautiful you know I wish I could I wish I could show little me that that would be so so nice to be able to have had that or you know at least to have had role models when I was little That would have been so lovely. And
0: I guess you answered my next question, which was going to be, what would you go and say to yourself if you could go back and talk to yourself in the height of your beliefs, like when you were the most Christian?
1: I suppose I would say, you know, there's hope, you have a future. Uh, I'd say, look into the genealogy of Jesus and evolution and geology and astronomy and see how they don't line up. (laughs) And like, they definitely don't line up and there's no amount of mental arithmetic that can take that away like you it just you just have to think okay if god's real he, you'd think he'd make believing in him a lot easier <laughs> than he made it like if he really is real he would make have made it a whole lot easier to believe in him. He wouldn't have made dinosaurs and all sorts of things that just do not line up with um, a 7,000-year-old story.
0: What is the one and biggest thing that Christianity took away from you?
1: Oh, my God. A lot of my childhood, for sure, and like my, my sense of hope for the future. I'd say my education, 100%. That destroyed – Christianity destroyed my schooling in high school. You know, I already have ADD, which – does make schooling hard but to the extent that things went was because of the depression which was induced by Christianity and by believing that I had no hope no future as a gay woman I had just nothing to look forward to uh except being completely alone. Like the, the, the vision of the future I had as a young person was me alone in a house. And that is just, I'm not saying it's so like being alone is bad, but being forced to be alone and to have no option is just shocking. And it's, you just cannot do that to young people. You cannot do that. And that's what happened to me. And I really do not want to see a future of other young people having to go through what I went through. It's just shocking. They should be allowed to concentrate on their studies in school and to feel like they have a hope in a future. What would you say to other Christians, young or
0: old, who are believers, they're Christian, and they feel or know deep down that they are gay, but they're suppressing
1: it? What would you say to them? I guess I'd offer some compassion. I think that's the first thing I would offer is because I know what that's like. It's awful. Um, I, I, I really would just offer a lot of compassion for those people because some of those people, like I've met people before like that, and it is not an easy journey. I think I'd say that you deserve to be allowed to not be alone. Like you deserve company. And I'd also say, one of the forms of torture in jail is isolation. And like I'm not saying that all gay Christian people live alone, but there is an element of isolation in that experience that no one should have to go through, and as a gay person, you do not you do not deserve to be in forced isolation. I find it so
0: empowering and enlightening to hear about people who stop suppressing it. But I do have like this sense of um like just so much compassion but like fear and sadness for the people who are stuck in like well I love God so this part of me needs to just stay hidden or even people who are so maybe so afraid of being who they are or admitting that they're gay, that they they suppress it to even maybe themselves and tell themselves, no, that's not true. I'm not gay. And I just I feel for those people so deeply and um, always wish that I knew what to say to help them.
1: I'd say I'd suppose I'd say this to those people if you are going to enter into a heterosexual marriage like that's hypothetical here but if you were do you really think you could give that person what they actually need your partner are you really giving your partner the love that they deserve because there's a very good chance as a homosexual person in a heterosexual marriage you can't give that person what they need and that's not there because I you know for for most of my life I just thought I'm going to marry a man and eventually I realized that's not fair that's not fair on me and it's also not fair on that man and you could really hurt someone I sometimes imagine that there's another universe out there a universe where I didn't meet Dave and I am still stuck in the prison of being gay and being Christian even though I've Probably gone on several holidays by this point, (laughs) but I still fundamentally believe that Christianity is real. And it's probably a much I would, I really don't want to imagine that parallel universe where I'm living that reality. I feel that I am able to use my logic to be able to just call things as I see them now and reality as I see it, whereas I felt like I was denied that logic under Christianity.
0: What would you say to somebody who is maybe about to leave their faith, but they're scared that it is Satan or demons winning and getting into their head?
1: Basically two huge insights I had like many years after leaving the faith were these sort of two things, especially when it comes to that fear element that people go through. Um, So one observation I had about the concept of hell so when people think of hell, they think hot, they think fire, and they think down. So if you've got to point to where hell is, you would probably point down. What why? Why is that? Well, it's because what is down? Lava. Clearly, some of our, you know, ancestors many years ago have witnessed lava and seen that there's this hellish, hot place that is in below the earth. So of course you would associate hell as down and as fire but when people associate heaven they point up well what's up well as far as we're concerned an infinite sky of gorgeous twinkling stars of course you think that you're going to point up for heaven that's one thing I would say to them and another thing I would say is the concept of demons and where does that concept actually come from well Think of it like this. Back when humans were on the savannah in Africa in the middle of the night, there would be the sound of roaring, the sound of creatures coming up with very large teeth and very scary-looking eyes and roaring, and they would steal your babies in the middle of the night. You know how when you're in bed and you're curling up your toes because you're kind of scared that there's going to be like a demon that's going to come and bite your leg? Well, I think that's completely an evolutionary adaptation to, yes, real demons. They're called big cats. They're called tigers and all sorts of other things that genuinely want to eat you. So a demon is actually a clearly like a big cat or some kind of creature that's going to eat you. Of course, you're going to be afraid of those things. Yeah, those were two really, really big things that like really helped. (laughs) Once I worked that out, I slept a lot better at night, just understanding that it's absolutely evolutionary adaptation to predators and the concept of a demon fits perfectly into our you know you turn the lights off why are you afraid well that's a, you're very vulnerable when you can't see of course you're going to be afraid there are predators that are scary that could eat you but in today's world we don't really have that as much
0: is there anything else or any part of your story that you want to share that you feel maybe I didn't ask the question or um, something that you really feel is important to say?
1: I, I just think I, I, I would end with – be honest with yourself and your experience of reality. Don't lie to yourself and just view the evidence and you, use your own sense of logic and work it out. Work it, And you don't have to work it out in one day either. Like you can spend time mulling over this stuff. You've got plenty of time to do it. Um, And yeah, that's pretty much what, what I would advise people to do. Well, Blaze, thank you so, so much for joining me today. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, it was great to be here. Thank you so much for the opportunity to talk about this stuff. And I really hope that um, people hear this and learn something and maybe feel better about their, their place in existence.
0: Thank you for joining me on another episode of the Skeptical Sheep podcast. To stay in touch, you can follow Skeptical Sheep podcast on Instagram and Skeptical Sheep 2 on Twitter. Thanks so much for listening. I'm glad you're here and have a wonderful day.